This is Cat High, and you're on and listening to Cut to the Chase. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cut to the Chase. This is your host, Gregory Proctor. This is episode 22. The title of this episode is rather unique. Uh, we've called it hashtag BWBMBI. What does that stand for to my listening audience as everybody's going, what is BWBMBI? What that stands for for everybody is black women, black men in business. And today we're going to be talking to a very dear friend of mine, um, special guest, and uh, before I get into that, let's talk a little bit about uh, kind of the backstory. You know, I mean, why why we why we call this podcast BWBMBI? Well, my team went off, and I just told them, I said, "Hey, this is what I want the podcast to be called." And I said, "Let's let's get some stats because as everyone knows, what's going on with the social uprising with the coronavirus, you know, irregardless of those things." as being a black woman or black man in business, it is hard. And so I had my team pull together some stats and these stats were, they were quite astonishing. You know, I was, I was rather shocked. So in accordance to kind of a 2018 report, the state of woman owned businesses, which was a report generated by American Express, basically show an impressive growth of about 58% between 2007 and 2018 in the number of firms owned by black women. And that grew stunningly almost by roughly 164%, nearly three times that rate. So what that kind of relates to is there's about 2.4 million African American women owned business businesses in 2018, uh, which which is, is actually quite well you know most of these most of these businesses were owned uh, between women of age between 35 and, and 54 um, and black women not only are the racial and ethnic group where more business ownerships uh, outrate their male peers in accordance to this report but with that being said you know we have to also look at kind of what's going on today with this with this uprising and everything and, and why people are are looking at you know the black community and kind of understanding well why are we so upset well the thing is is as you read this report the report kind of goes on and it says um not everything's rosy you know for black women entrepreneurs so also the report goes on to state as it relates to revenue of women of color and those businesses owned by minority women it says basically for women of color average revenue dropped from 84,000 in 2007 to 66,000 in 2018 while for non-minority business revenue rose basically for from 187,000 to 212,000 so the gap difference between an african american woman owned business as you guys can see is pretty astonishing you know as so we compare 66,000 to basically 212,000. So basically with all of that being said, there's kind of a catalyst behind all of this, which is really the catalyst that's going on today. You know, 
poor treatment, the perception of, of values in the workplace, uh, you know, higher unemployment rate, the gender equality. I mean, all of these things kind of play into this situation. And so one of the things that we wanted to kind of bring forward today was really to bring a special guest on online with us to talk about that because she is an African-American woman. She's a good friend. She just recently started her business. And basically, as we start to take a deeper look at Miss Katrina, we understand that uh, she's got 15 years of broad pharmaceutical experience. She's grown up in the pharmaceutical industry. She has broadened cross-division knowledge spanning from R&D, drug development, to digital and commercial space, which gives her a unique approach to return on investment determination, problem solving, and risk taking. She's also served as a senior manager, as a project manager, as a project scientist. Katrina holds an MBA in analytics, finance, and strategic business management from Villanova University, a master's of chemistry from Lehigh University, and a bachelor's in chemistry and biochemistry from Wesley's uh, University. So, look, she is very authentic. She's courageous. She's an innovative game changer who delivers value in the eyes of business strategy. She is also known for her achievements in driving and connecting those who listen to understand to build a strong, sustainable team and partner with people internal to collaborate with external resources that can achieve and align kind of a common goal and work towards a common vision. And so with all of that, sometimes I don't introduce my special guest very well there, Miss Katrina. Do you have any opening remarks for our listeners? (laughs) Hi, Greg, I do. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say no one is going to believe we're friends if you keep calling me Katrina. So you are welcome to call me Cat. I know we're in a professional setting. You're welcome to call me Cat, uh, which is what all of my dear friends call me. Um, and I am super excited and very happy to be able to share this time with you and your listeners. And I think if it's one thing that I could add to that amazing introduction, it would be to announce my superpowers. Um, So amongst all of the things you mentioned, um, what I feel my superpowers are and that help me connect with my clients, with uh, my friends, are my unwavering optimism and passion for servant leadership. So I I figured I'd just put that out there. Nice, nice, nice. Very, very nice. Well, thank you very much, uh, Miss, Miss, Miss Kat. So, so let's jump into our questions. I mean, we've got, we've got a lot of dialogue we want to talk about, and there's just so much going on. Uh, so, so let's talk a little bit there, Kat, about why, why did you start your own business? I mean, what, what, what drove you to do that? Thank you for that question. So traditionally, I guess most women, and if we look at the data, start businesses out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not seeing a path to greater levels of influence or impact in their organization. They're not feeling valued. They're not feeling favorably compensated. Um, But that's not necessarily the case. 
you know, for why I, I started Artemis Factor. And I can see that I was not being treated unfairly, you know, at my organization prior to, to starting Artemis Factor. I was not feeling undervalued. In fact, I, it, I would venture to say that I was getting into the groove of almost thriving. Don't yeah. get me wrong. There, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't all roses. There were things that could have been better. And it took a lot of work and a lot of time to get to a place where I could say I felt like I was thriving. Uh, but the opportunity to start Artemis Factor, and I do consider it an opportunity, presented itself after the organization that I was with at the time did some changes. and. I had a chance to pause and see where my seat would fit in the organization. And that pause allowed time to consider all the options to stay with the organization, to consider other organizations, or to understand the confidence within myself and the value that I brought to the organization and potentially share that with other partners that I might be privileged to serve if I were to start my own company. And so sort of that's the impetus for how Artemis started. Wow. Wow. Quite, quite, quite impressive that you, you know, you came from a, a place of, of harmony. Like you said, you were, you were thriving. You felt as if you were still uh, going up the corporate ladder, but yet, you know, you said that there was a, a divisional change or the company was was going through some some corporate changes that caused you to kind of rethink how you saw your position and your role in, in business. Um, I know from like, you know, as 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 we as we do the contrast between, you know, black women and black men in business um, for me. I, I can relate to what you're what, the way you the way you came at it. You know, I um, I had a great paying job when I was uh, contemplating starting up my first consultancy business, and for me, it was along the lines of the latter. I mean, I I didn't like my boss. My boss is in another state. Um, my boss and I constantly clashed, and so for me, it was like you know, finish out my bachelor's at the time. Uh, it was about, you know, wanting to prove that I can do better, have, have better responsibility and, and more control over my own destiny. And, and obviously stepping out as, as you very well know, as, as being a business owner, uh, stepping out in those earlier stages, is very, is, is very, uh, frightening. Uh, it's, it's almost, uh, enlightening because you don't know, um, exactly how things are going to go for you. And so. So as you move forward in business in those earlier stages, uh, as you alluded to, you know you were you were thriving, things were going well, but were there any challenges? Because let let's face it, I mean it's it's not easy to to basically say you're going to leave something that provides you with security and hop into something where you have to kind of charter your own way. Can you can you talk to us a little bit about that? So as you mentioned that, I have a visceral reaction and memory to the come to Jesus moment where I was having a conversation with myself in the mirror um, to, to, you know, to say, are you doing this? Like, are you really ready to step out on faith and 
take your destiny into your own hands. And it was very scary, Greg. I'm not going to lie, given all of the confidence and all of the things that I just said. Um, but part of what made it not as daunting and as scary was that I wasn't doing it alone. So Artemis Factor is a woman-owned startup, and I have extremely brilliant, determined, hardworking partners that when I look across whom I could have picked to do business with, I couldn't have picked a better group of women. So when you know you're in the trenches and you'll be in the foxhole with women that will go to the wall, it makes it a little less of a daunting decision to do something like leave your corporate job and start your own company. So, so you say basically you had a group of other colleagues. Were they working with you at the time when you guys decided to go off and do this? Absolutely. So, okay. Okay. you know, organizations make broad sweeping changes and the women that I decided to go into business with were a part of the PMO, the project management organization at our uh, company at the time. And, you know, we've worked together. We know each other's strengths and weaknesses, and we knew there was a gap in the marketplace for our unique approach and our service offerings. Mm-hmm. And we decided, you know what, let's let's give this a go. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's 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 huge, you know, because uh, like 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 you said, I mean, you have that kind of basis of support. You have that history of knowing that there's a group of people around you that you guys are all in the fishbowl together uh, to kind of uh, sink or swim, as I as I would call it. And so, um, as you guys started to devise and develop, you know, your approach for for going into business together. I mean, were there were there chemistry issues? Were there things that you know because you step away from something that you have as a as a cushion and there's a lot of things that people don't realize that you don't have to do when you have that security so so you don't have to really think about you know your taxes and you don't really have to think about your your insurances and you don't have to think about this you know i mean there's a laundry list of things that i could go over so so how did you guys weather the storm with getting yourself set up structurally and being able to kind of understand well who's going to take care of what part of the partnership here uh as as we as you guys begin to formalize uh your organization so let me sort of give a little bit of background and then i can dive into that question so as i mentioned the artemis factor was started by women who number one share a mutual respect both personally and professionally for each other okay and of course starting it was a leap of faith but we chose each other as partners. Mm-hmm. That was not a coincidence. Okay. Um, and because you have a team of high performing type A, I think I can venture to say we're all probably, you know, some degree of type A, it was no feat to decide who was going to do what. It was just a matter of preference and skill yep. set. And, you know, to some degree, who might want to venture out and learn a new skill set? So who's going to be the chief operating officer? Who's going to be the chief financial officer? You know, who's going to bear the brunt of the business development or talent acquisition and human resources? So it was no shortage of hand raisers for I'll do that. I'll do that. It was just a matter of, okay, well, both of us 
are volunteering. You know, is this something that you really want to do? Some you have a place that could stretch you and you can learn. So it was very amicable and decisions of who was going to do what was pretty much based on either who had the best skill set to do it or who had the drive to want to learn to do it. Right. Right. Quite a quite quite uh, quite a unique uh, story, you know, with regards to like you said the coincidence of of gelling and kind of putting all the moving parts and pieces together in such a, a very uh, kind of harmonizing way where uh, everyone, as you alluded to, were, were type A type caliber people. So, so you didn't really have to, uh, to endure any type of, uh, you know, come on, let's get this done. Or, or even for that matter, you know, hold people accountable because you, you had doers and, and that that's commendable because, you know, ultimately like in my situation, uh, venturing out on your own and not really starting out with a team or, or trying to, um, you know, navigate through the uncharted waters uh, in a solo capacity. And we're talking, oh my God, we're talking, uh, you know, probably 20 some odd years ago uh, with my first company, but, but certainly uh, it was, it was a whole different experience. Um, and, and, and those things were, were, tried and true towards one, your resiliency, uh, your determination, your uh, ability to deal with adversity and and other different variations of challenges. Uh, You know, we do share the same kind of uh, underlining skill set as it relates to project management and project controls. But I'd have to say 20 years ago was a lot different than where it is today with regards to the engagement of project controls and, and the methodologies and tools of project controls, primarily for me, you know, as I begin to segue into some of the things we're going to talk about, you know, I was up against what I would consider to be, um, you know, the old baby boomer, you know, uh, generation of, of guys that set in their ways and didn't really want to kind of make those type of changes to allow for the division of uh, diversity to, yeah. to be uh, to be a part of their corporation or even from a subcontractual perspective. So, you know, as I start to lean into some of that, were there any challenges like that for 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 your organization that that you guys were were faced with in the earlier stages? So I think that span of time and that generational difference that you bring up is critical because I think right now the opportunity for women-owned businesses and women-owned businesses that have minority contingencies are being sought after. So I don't think I can say I've identified anything in the starting of Artemis Factor that relates to what you described there being any, you know, at at first reaction to diversity or you know, there being any adverse reactions to not wanting to consider a different way of doing things. I don't think we've experienced that. It's probably been the opposite. Um, But what I would say is where we probably differ is having a business that is partnered, the buck doesn't stop with you. You know, there has to be some level of consensus or some level of agreement on decisions um, that have to be made. So it's probably the only difference. And it hasn't been a derailer or a deterrent for moving Artemis factor forward. It's just a factor. Sure. Sure. So with regards to the, uh, the products and services that, that Artemis, uh, provides you guys, 
you guys do project controls or project management. What what are some of the other features and aspects that your your particular firm offers? So as I mentioned, myself and my partners have grown up in pharma and we've been at different pharma companies and different divisions. So personally, I grew up as a bench scientist in both R&D and manufacturing got my MBA, transitioned through the commercial sales and marketing space and did more transformational projects in digital um, and agile. Uh, so for the clients that we service currently, mm-hmm. our capabilities are, you know, large program management, project management, strategy, deployment, change management, training and comms, continuous improvement programs, process design and implementation, courses, coaching and mentoring and PMO startup for folks that don't have a project management contingency in their firms. And these capabilities can be deployed in areas such as R&D, drug development, um, Mm -hmm. product launches in the commercial space, technology implementations in any business unit, um, sales, marketing and operations capability building, mergers and acquisitions, any kind of organizational redesign or org optimization, vendor relationship enhancements, uh, innovation, digital, so any of those areas. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, and you've you've named off a pretty pretty comprehensive uh, list, and uh, and certainly I appreciate that. So. So as your business kind of provides all of those services and renders uh, problem solving, you know, some of the things that that kind of come to mind as as I think back starting, you know, my first venture is, you know, the balance between the entrepreneurial spirit. And of course, like you said, you have partners, but the balance between the entrepreneurial aspect of of being on your own and your family life. I mean, are, are, are you and your partners uh, workaholics or is that shared responsibility or, or basically uh, give us an idea of how that how that kind of all works? So, Greg, you're throwing curveballs now because I know, you know, as a seasoned, <laughs> as a seasoned vet, there is no amount of coaching or mentoring that can prepare you for the 24 hour job that is becoming an entrepreneur. Um, So I will speak for my partners and their families, um, but personally, it is a grind. It is uh, one that I look forward to getting up and doing every morning. um, And it's partly a grind because of the way Artemis is set up. So not only am I, you know, a partner and founding partner in the business, I am also talent in the business. So I, I still service clients and am actively working on projects. So making sure that I give my clients the best service that I can give them, you know, for the time that we've contracted to work together and running the business of Artemis and growing the business of Artemis, there is not very much spare time in in the day. So that work-life balance, work-life harmony is a little elusive, you know, right now, but this is what I signed up for. I believe it will get easier because I have vets like yourself that, you know, prove that this is doable. You will, you know, settle into a groove and you probably will get out of it what you put into it. So that's yep. kind of how I look at it. Yep. Yep. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And 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 certainly uh, 
I, I truly didn't mean to, to, to throw your curveball, but, but, you know, from a standpoint of anyone that's out there listening and, and, and part of the reason why I think it's so important that as we look at the current social uh, conditions and our current environment, uh, you know, if you are thinking about starting a business, if you are out there sitting on the fence and trying to figure out, you know, how do you move forward? I mean, let's just be realistic with ourselves. You know, those stats that I read off are only growing, you know, because people have to consider, you know, whether it's a troubled situation or whether it's for prosperity or better growth or, or just a, an end state for trying to figure out how to live more prosperously in, in your lives. Um, entrepreneurship is, is, is not a bad thing, but you got to be disciplined. And a lot of people don't really understand what that discipline means when it comes to kind of the work-life balance when you're starting up and you you chimed on a very good point it is a grind i mean it, it it's very much a grind because sometimes like you said you put in to what you get out and sometimes you put in more and you get out less and sometimes you put in less and you get out more it just depends all of the circumstances are going to be different they're going to be very unique and very specific to what you're trying to do as far as your entrepreneurial uh, extremities, but you never know until you try. I mean, I, I I'll be honest with my listening audience, and, and they know I'm I'm very successful at project controls, and and I love it. I have a, a huge passion for it, but I can't begin to count on probably on both hands the amount of times that I tried to consider. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna think I'm gonna venture out with Amway. Okay, I think I'm gonna venture out with this. I think I'm gonna venture out. And 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 in hindsight or in retrospect, yeah, I'm revealing my age because those that are probably saying Amway, what is what was that? <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, that was like uh, that was kind of a pyramid type networking business structure. You know, to be frankly honest, but uh, you know, really only the people that made money were the people at the top. But uh, but you know. You, you try, you, it's like riding a horse, you know, you try, you fall off, you try again. And, and ultimately, you know, you have to have people in some cases that are willing to support you, or you have to have a, a thirst for a network that can keep you positive, whether it's your faith, whether it's uh, a coach, a guide or mentor, or even, you know, as, as, uh, as Kat has said, you know, seasoned veterans like me. Uh, you know, you have to be able to find those people to be able to have those people in your court to help you through the uncharted waters, because trust me, it's not always going to be good. You may leave a $100,000 job or $200,000 job, and, you know, it doesn't feel very well when you only pull in 60 some odd thousand dollars worth of income in that first year. And so therefore, you know, it, it, like 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 Kat said, it's a grind. You, you just have to continue to basically to press forward. And, you know, from my standpoint as being a business owner and an entrepreneur and, and, and doing some of the things that I've done all over the world, you know, I would never want to go back. I'll just tell you that it is, it is a drug. So if you think the grind is hard, wait till you get addicted to it. I mean, then the power really kicks in. You know, and uh, you find out where you, what your passion is made of, and uh, you know it, it becomes very, very fun. And so, Cat, you know, what motivates you? I mean, you know, I I've talked a little bit about you know the grind and the this and the that, and uh, the excitement that I have about entrepreneurship. But but what what motivates you? I mean, can, 
Can we hold that? Because it was something that you mentioned and I don't want to, to skip over okay. it. And it was sort okay. of where okay. we started. So okay. you gave a lot of stats to the listening audience around women-owned businesses and African-American women-owned businesses in particular. Yep. Um, yep. And I was not aware of those stats when I ventured to start Artemis. And of course, I am aware that I'm an African-American woman, but my partners are not. So my partners okay. are, are white women, and that wasn't a factor in okay. us starting Artemis. Like I said, it was a mutual respect of us knowing each other's talents and skill sets and what we would bring to the business of Artemis. But mm -hmm. that is not the case, you know, for a lot of women. So I am friends, you know, with entrepreneurs who are facing those gaps in income and other deficits. And what I did know in starting a business that the hurdles often faced are access to capital, mm -hmm. lack of mentorship and coaching, mm -hmm. and lack of networks that could help you fund and feed your business. So some of the ways that we got over that, you know, at Artemis was number one, we bootstrapped putting our business together. So we put in our own capital and we've run a very lean operation and try to keep costs very low. Because to your point in that first year, you know, that $100,000 contract maybe only lands you with 20 or $30,000 just because there's overhead, there's operating costs. You know, there, there are a lot of things. Uh, so access to capital, you know, wasn't one of the things. And luckily, because there was enough of us to do research and, and sort of get ahead of the game, we knew of organizations like WeBank that were certified, you know, for small business women owned through organizations like SCORE and LinkedIn to help mm -hmm. get guidance along the way, you know, for things in the startup of a business that we just didn't know. And what I've learned now is that the, and not even now, and it's one of the tenets of Artemis Factor in terms of our values, is just valuing diversity and bringing that to our clients and, and how we think about talent um, is the fact that we have, we're different. We're different ages, you know, we, different family structures, of course, racially we're different. And that is, part of what makes us such a strong, diverse team that can pick talent in a, in a different way, you know, that can service our customers with different lenses because we talk, you know, about our projects and how we would approach things. We share, you know, stories so that we get that diversity of thought and how you could attack a problem or approach a problem. So I would say in this climate, being in partnership with folks that don't look like you, whose households don't look like yours, we can have conversations that are more diverse and different. And because our relationship is built on mutual respect and we've worked together, it cuts through all of the noise. It, we, we cut to the chase. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, so yeah, there we, you go. We cut to the chase and we, we, we exactly. operate with each other real human to human, woman to woman. You know, we can share all of the stories and, and struggles being woman owned because you know we still face barriers there that won't go away um and we can you know try to tackle implicit bias and other things that face african americans in a way that if you're just you know a minority owned business you don't have you know that opportunity so i just wanted to put that put that out there 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, very, very good, good points because, you know, in, in a lot of cases, it is an uphill ride. I mean, it's it's an uphill ride. Today, you say, "Mother, may I? I'm gonna I'm gonna jump off this horse and I'm gonna go get on the entrepreneurial horse." I mean, it it is an uphill ride, and it, and and you know, and it sounds like you know you have really landed in something that that is really so uh, promising for you because of not only the, the the support, but then you know the contrast. Because I think that contrast provides you with a different way of kind of critically thinking as opposed to you looking at it as an individual. And the reason why I say that is because I, I'm just going to indicate, and I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're going to talk about some other things here because I really want to figure out what, what makes you tick, right? But we've got an episode coming up that I'll share with our listening audience. And, and it really kind of dives into how I got into entrepreneurship. And without disclosing, you know, a lot about that episode, it is basically entitled failure is not an option. Now, you know, we're having good dialogue about black women and black men in business at this point in time. But if you really want to understand the grind, listen to that upcoming episode. And I'll, I'll tell you, I mean, people are going to be like, oh, my God, shut your mouth. You did what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's rather uh, it's rather ironic, but uh, but certainly it lets my audience know that it is possible you know i mean anything is possible you just you just have to prepare yourself you know and uh as most people say now i think uh mindset i hear mindset about uh, about a bazillion times a day it it is a mindset you know uh and and basically for me you just got to be got to be able to roll your sleeves up you know and uh like you said you know you're part of the business and you're part of the human capital aspect and you know you're part of you're part of the uh, the overall uh, results, you know mm-hmm. that that imp- that impact your your client. So with all that being said, you know, come on, cat, tell me what what motivates you, what 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 drives you. I mean, you you said you're you're inspired because of the grind, but there's got to be more to it than just you enjoying the grind. Because I enjoy the grind. I mean, <laughs> what else drives you? What what makes you tick? So let's say so forming a lump of coal into a diamond, I guess is the the best analogy. So taking something, a strategy, and and creating a tactical plan to deploy, deploying the plan, and then leaving the client with an end result that they feel adds business value, there's a return on investment. And through that journey, it's creating the clarity and the focus needed to do that in a way that the team might not have been able to do, you know, had they not had a professional project manager to keep True North in front of them. So everyone knows where we're marching to, um, allowing the flexibility to get to True North because there's a number of avenues, but just making sure people are aware that there is a plan that we're marching Mm -hmm. towards to get, you know, to the destination which is hopefully a return on investment and, and added business value for the client. So that's what motivates me, just knowing that there is a problem that I have unique skills to help address um, and I don't leave bodies in the wake. So, you know, like I said, I'm an optimist. I am an empathetic leader. Mm-hmm. So I know we can get through the, the, the lump to get to the diamond and not leave bodies in the wake. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, there, there's, there, there's something there, uh, uh, cat that, you know, in, in my 20 plus some odd years of doing project controls and project management, you know, scattered across the globe. And, and, and you phrased it very, I'm going to say very eloquently because you said you took a, you take a lump of coal and turn it into, into a diamond, which I, I like that. I like that. But the one phrase that when you started talking about that, which was kind of a, a coin phrase that my mentor taught me, chaos is cash. And so if you're in project management and project controls, you're looking for the chaos because ultimately, like you said, your skill sets, your intellectual properties, your training, your knowledge, your wits, your know-how, your ability to communicate, your ability to articulate data, KPIs, and SPIs, and CPIs, all that stuff is what they're, they're collectively buying. That's what they're purchasing. That's what they want to understand, you know, to help them have the best possible outcome. And so it's rather coincidental that the same metaphor that you phrased it represents kind of the same thing as I recall it some 20 some odd plus years ago as being chaos is cash. So I, I, I just thought that was, uh, just thought that was pretty neat, pretty neat. So, so let's, let's, let's dive into some things that, that I think is, is, is really kind of, you know, on the front of people's minds today. And that's, that's the whole diversity and, 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 and social things that are going on. Could, could you kind of elaborate in the aspect of, of business as, as it comes down to dealing with, you know, these type of issues, as you said, you're empathetic, you're, you're optimistic, but what are some of the best practices that you utilize when you're faced head on with the fact that you are a minority business owner, uh, you are a subject matter expert there to provide the customer with the service? I mean, how do you, how do you charter those waters as it relates to keeping the professional aspect of who you are aligned with your integrity and not resulting to, as they would say, you know, the diary of, you know, blah, 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 because of the simple fact that you are in a professional setting. So help me understand how do you, how do you deal with those type of circumstances? That is a very good question. And, and thank you for that. So I tend to lead authentically. And what I've learned over the years is that you can't separate what's happening in the world around you when you step into the business arena. You could try, um, but I don't know anyone that's been successful at it. So I come into most of my spaces, you know, authentically, and that's how I build relationship. That is how I get the work that I need done, done. And so if there is something that's happening in my world, folks that are a part of you know, my professional space will know it. Um, I relish the opportunities to share, you know, my story and my journey and, and what's happening in my life with mm-hmm. the, the folks that I interact with. And I take the, the opportunities that I can to also learn from folks that bless me with their time and their knowledge. So if I am doing business, you know, I welcome you know, from my team what's happening in their space because I need to keep the pulse of the team. I need to know how my leaders are doing, how they're feeling, so that I know how to get the best work product. And I in kind 
offer, you know, what's going on. So I open opportunities and spaces to talk about what's happening around us as we traverse what I consider as two pandemics. You know, so we have the COVID-19 pandemic, of course, and then there's the social and racial injustices. Uh And because I have chosen to work in healthcare in a space where, you know, you asked about what motivates me, motivation comes from just knowing that I am helping humankind um, and trying to improve lives and outcomes, you know, one project at a time. So being in that space, I am at the service of others and I get the opportunity and the privilege to work with folks from all around the world, from all walks of life. And I'd be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to learn what those walks of life might look like where I don't have the opportunity to walk in those shoes, you know, every day. So I open that space and those opportunities and I take the opportunity to learn. So in the business environment, and I am very clear on what you're asking, it's a professional environment. I am as authentic and my approach to business as I can be. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, that, that's certainly uh, certainly very well stated because, you know, we, we have to consider that, you know, as you are in a business space, you're, you're there based on, you know, as, as I refer to my company and even myself when I'm supporting a project, we're there as a tool. We're there as something to uplift capability to provide the best possible end result uh, to our customers. And so, therefore, you know, like you like you stated, you know, you at least for me, I have to be able to kind of say, hey, what what's going on in in in, in the outside world, uh, and what has to happen in the inside world as far as being inside, you know, my bubble or space inside the client environment has got to be on point with regards to what I'm trying to deliver as the best possible outcome that is going to either impact or or diminish uh, their their return on their investment. And so, um, you know, I, I think your approach, like you said, you know, you know, being authentic, uh, being empathetic, having optimism, you know, those are those are things that are always tried and true, you know, from a, from a, from a perspective of making sure that, as I say, you know, there's, there's a way to kind of fit into an organization and then you can come into an organization in a way where you just don't fit, even though you are the subject matter expert, because some people just don't like to be told what to do. And you have to be able to read those tea leaves as well to make sure that, you know, you're applying the right principles, philosophies, and professionalisms and guidance uh, to to justify, you know, not only your existence, but like I said, to impact the the overall outcome. Well, Kat, you know, this is this has been great. You know, I mean, I, I think from a from our listening perspective, uh, you know, sharing with people uh, a positive story, something that provides, you know, uh, some gratitude to being, you know, not only kind of coincidentally in the right place at the right time, but having the right people around you that have, that have the same like-minded goals and objectives and vision that you have, you know, to, 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 to produce a, a positive outcome. And so you guys have been in business now for how long now? How long has the firm been in business? It's been about a year and a half. So not very long. We're, we're a pretty new startup. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
And that's that's amazing because, you know, I, I think uh, the sky's the limit. Uh, as you and I have talked about before in the past, uh, there's there's a lot of great uh, things to come. Uh, and, and, and certainly, particularly in the healthcare, because uh, obviously nowadays that, that is that's a high demand type of type of industry. So, Kat, with, with all that being said, I mean, are, are there any final remarks or comments or, or recommendations that that you would provide to to our audience? I mean, not everyone's going to have the same perfect storm that that you had when you guys started up Artemis uh, as as an organization. Uh, but, you know, what are some of the tidbits of information that you would like to leave with our listeners? That's right. So not a perfect storm by any means, but a very a very deliberate decision to go into business and to go into the type of business based on the skill set that myself and my partners have based on an opportunity in the market that we saw and based on, like I said, that mutual respect for each other to to grow the business. Um, And I would say leveraging historical context. So, you know, some of the authors that I follow and in honing my leadership style is John C. Maxwell and of course the incomparable Dale Carnegie, uh, you know, just to know how to influence and, and how to lead. Um, and I would say, yeah, just being deliberate about the type of business that you're going into. So is it a B2B? Is it a you know, B2P? Is it a growing industry? Um, knowing who we are going into business with, if that is the path you decide to choose, if you want to be a solo entrepreneur. You know that people are very successful case in point you know yourself in, in doing that but being deliberate in the partners that you choose and how you structure your business and how decisions get made so i think just being intentional and just staying with it and to your point something that i didn't do beforehand was knowing the hurdles that you might face as a woman in business, as you know, a minority in business. So knowing those now that you know there might be hurdles for access to capital, there might be hurdles to getting you know mentorship or you know the networking that others might not have. Just being aware of what the challenges might be going in, but I definitely yeah. say do it. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you know, just just one other point that that I will add in before we uh, before we wrap up is having a thirst for knowledge always results into what I consider to be a very inquisitive and uplifting outcome. And in order to summarize that, as someone once told me before when I went in business and I was first starting out, is to be a sponge. I mean, don't take your biases or anything along with you in your journey. But if you want to be successful, particularly in the early stages, you need to be just as much an active listener and an active participant as you need to be in order to get yourself off the ground. And so therefore, the terminology of being a sponge is something that uh, when I'm stepping into new horizons or uncharted territories, you know, it's about gaining the knowledge and and the wits about me in order to be successful before I interject my own individual you know program or playbook uh, per se. And so, Cat, now that I can call you Cat, Cat High, <laughs> woo, Cat High. Yeah. Not from the beginning, but you wanted to keep it super professional, which is what I appreciate most about you. So yes. 
Well, you know, I, I didn't say this in my opening dialogue, but as we're as we're starting to wrap up, uh, Kat and I met on LinkedIn actually, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm ahead. Gonna kinda, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and make sure I get this right. Kat actually reached out to me. I don't know what it was about me, you know, that she reached out to me, but she read my profile and she said, "Hey, you know, I thought it'd be interesting to kind of you know connect with you." And I think it was about a week later, we actually had some dialogue and got to talking and, you know, things were starting to gel up. And, uh, you know, before you know it, we've had several conversations and exchanges and so forth and so on. And, you know, I always talk about the power of LinkedIn and people go, Greg, please stop, please stop, please stop. But it's true. I mean, you got to get out of your own way sometimes. You just got to be able to say, I want to find out more about an individual. And if that individual is willing to help me, if they're willing to talk to me, Take that responsibility and glean from it what you can. And as as you guys have heard through this dialogue, I mean, Kat and I are in the same type of profession. You know, she does it in the pharmaceutical industry. I do it probably in every other industry. But uh, but certainly there's there's synergy there, and there's always things that you can glean from one another. Doesn't matter, you know, black, white, blue, green. You know, take those opportunities, leverage yourself as as Kat has indicated and uh, make the best of it, you know? I mean, you know, there's no there's no right, wrong, or indifferent way of doing things if you don't ask the question. And so, uh, you know, thirst thirst for that knowledge, you know? And uh, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, that's what's going to separate you from the pack. And so, Kat, I greatly, greatly appreciate this. This has been absolutely wonderful, man. I mean, woo! I, I learn something every day. <laughs> Absolutely. And and thank you for the space, you know, to share. And yeah, to your point, take the opportunity. So I think it was the attraction of entrepreneur, <laughs> you know, that you caused me to reach out to you. So I was like, hmm, project control, he's in a different space. And it was just the way that your content was curated on LinkedIn that made me say, you know, let me reach out to this brother and see what what he's got going on. He might have something that could benefit me. I might have something that could benefit him. We'll just see where it goes. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and that's the uh, that's the beginning of uh, of how things get started. You know, is you get beyond breaking the ice and establishing those relationships, and then the next thing you know. You're off and running, you know, it's just like being, uh, being at the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you never know. You never know, you know, what you have in common. You never know how you can help each other unless and until you have the conversation and start the dialogue. And, you know, as I mentioned in our conversation, I always open and leave space to connect with folks. So you're a male, I'm, I'm a female to connect with folks that are different. That is intentional yeah. on my part. Yep. Yep. Well, to our listening audience, I'd like to say thank you again. This is episode 22, hashtag BWBMBI, Black Women, Black Men in Business. We'd like to thank our special guest, Kat High. This is your host, Gregory Proctor. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. Be safe out there, people. Bye-bye.